So today, I want to move on to talking about the not-so-quiet prayer and the bright clouds that come as a result of prayer. Like I said, I won't go back to what we studied yesterday. I'll just touch on one of few things. But we said in essence that intercessory prayer is standing in the gap in prayer between a person or persons. Persons who have provoked judgment upon themselves through their wrongdoing. And there's actual execution of that judgment. But you stand between the gap and change destiny. To put it more simply, intercessory prayer is holding back judgment. Because through intercession, there's a meeting that happens. Intercessors meet with God. And they also meet the powers of darkness. For that reason, to be an effective intercessor, intercessors need to be word-based. They must know the covenant, as I was explaining yesterday. Because intercession happens every day in our courts. If you go there and you're arguing out the case of your client, the judge doesn't care how emotional you are. All he cares about is, will you make a convincing case based on current law? And the Bible calls God the judge of the earth. I should have brought my spectacles. I hope I'll be able to see after I wear your spectacles. So when you are standing there, imagine yourself in, a, in the court making a case for your client. But you are one of those lawyers who's very emotional and you don't have the facts. You don't know the law. You don't know anything, but you are busy making noise like you do when you pray. Come on now, am I talking to somebody in the house? You know what the judge is going to do? The judge is going to look at you like this. And said, and they was going to say to you, counselor, would you please behave yourself? I can almost imagine God looking at some of you from heaven going, counselor, will you please behave yourself? Because some of you, all you do is to run around with emotions that have no substance whatsoever. Can I keep these glasses? I thought I would use them now. They have an anointing on them. I don't know why. And so the intercessor must be familiar with the word, with the law. But there are times when we know not what we should pray for as we ought. The question is, in those times, how can I still accurately pray in line with God's word? Keep that in mind, we will come there. So, intercession therefore creates a meeting. Intercessors meet with God. They also meet with the powers of darkness. Therefore, to be effective, intercessors need to be word-based. And, here's another part. They need to follow the promptings and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Because when it comes to intercessory prayer, there are times when we, we pray 
intercessory prayer because we're obeying the word, but there's also what we want to call spirit-led praying or spirit-prompted praying. Therefore, you can understand why your role is so important. Why? Because as we said on the first day, if, if somebody doesn't give God the permission to intervene on the affairs of the earth, even if God can see what's going on, God will not intervene on his own. And so God is searching for people who will say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The more we pray, the more the will of God will come to pass on the earth. The more we pray, the more we will open doors for God to involve himself in the affairs of the earth. So God says, therefore, in Ezekiel 22, verse 29 to verse 31, in the King James Bible, note what he says. He says, the people of the land have used oppression. They've exercised robbery. They've vexed the poor and the needy. Yet they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. So they've done wrong. Okay. These people have done wrong. So rightfully, judgment should be what they get. But God says, instead of me moving to judge them, verse 30 says, I sought for a man. Ah, my goodness. I sought for a man, where? Among them. It's not angels that pray for us. The answer comes from among us. I searched for a man among them that would do what? Make up what? And do what? Stand away. That's intercession. Make up a hedge. Stand in the gap before me for the land. That I should what? I can't hear you. That I should what? But I did what? To put it simply, I found a prayerless people. I wonder what God is saying about the church today. When he looks at the church and looks at the condition of the world when so many things in the world could have been averted, changed, transformed, stopped, when destinies could have been changed, and God said, things unfortunately went the way they went because I was looking for somebody. There was not even one person. Not even one person who prayed. Note what he says in the next verse. He says, therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. We read yesterday how God first, before he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, he spoke to Abraham about it. It was in destiny's order that Sodom and Gomorrah be destroyed. And everybody in it was going to be destroyed but this intercessor who knew the law and knew the word stood in the gap. I see you standing in the gap. I said I see you standing in the gap. 
Now, when you read the Bible, there are certain expressions that are used for intercessory prayer. I want us to explore two of them today. The expression travail and the expression groanings. All these are expressions that show us a certain level of intercessory prayer. Let's start with the first ones in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul says to the church in Galatia, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. My little children. Now, let's, let's unpack that verse. Note the word, I travail in birth again. I travail in birth again. Well, the word again means you are doing it for the second time. Or it means you've done it before. So Paul is saying, I'm doing something that I have done before. And he called these people my little children. We know that travail is what happens when a woman gives birth. So when Paul says, my little children, whom I travail for in birth again, he's already suggesting that he gave birth to these children. You know, today I hear people running around calling everybody their spiritual child. But really, strictly speaking, your spiritual child is one, first of all, that you gave birth to. Spiritually speaking, of course. You gave birth to them, first of all, by praying them into God's kingdom. Or by leading them to Christ to get saved. They're your spiritual child. So Paul is saying to these Christians in Galatia, even before you got born again, it's me who travailed for you in intercessory prayer. But then he says, I haven't stopped doing so. I am still travailing for you, and I'll only stop when Christ is formed in you. Very interesting. Let me show you the mistake we made. We bring children into the world and we don't take care of them until a certain point. Paul is saying, even after you are born again, I am still travailing in birth for you and I only stop when you have reached a certain point. The expression of Christ being formed in you literally means until your outward expression of life is consistent with the inward change that God has brought. Now we know when we get born spiritually and we are new Christians and young Christians, though we are truly born again on the inside, there are still certain behaviors that we have. There are times when what we do outwardly really doesn't show that something has happened on the inside. You find that you're really born again, but you're still smoking. Look at your neighbor and say, Shaba Yaba, why Otuts? Why Otuts? You are still born again, but you are still shaking up. Look at your neighbor and say, Another Shaba You are still born again, but you are still back doing. 
You're born again, but, that, but note, 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 note. The goal is to bring you to a state where you are fully transformed. Now watch. Watch. When a child is born, on day one, they are a complete human being. That's why we are slowing down. When a child is born on day one, they are a complete human being. In other words, throughout their life, there's nothing extra that you're going to add from the outside to them to complete their humanness. I love that tonight. Wait till love You are cold. You are cold as ice. However, everything that this child potentially will become as an adult is already fully present inside of them. It's only waiting for one thing, proper nourishment and care. That's all. That's all. That's all. If this child is cared for fully, even when a time of puberty comes, the, the, the child is already pre-programmed. They are, their body is already pre-programmed that when the time of puberty comes, they will change from being a child to being an adult. It's inside of them. So as long as I can ensure that this child is protected, their full maturity will come. And Paul says, in the same way when a child is born on the first day, you don't leave them there and walk away from them. And say, if they are a real human being, they will be okay. You know that that child, even on day one, when they are totally dependent, they are still a full human being. So you must nurture and care for them until they get to a point they are fully formed and then you walk away Paul says my prayer cycle for somebody born spiritually I maintain it long enough until think about it think about it think about the many people who got born again in this church and we never took care of them So we say so and so was born, born again, but a year later, no, I think if we were to talk to God about it, God would say, You are guilty. You didn't travel in birth. Barut, if I may say something to you that I have done for years, I'm always praying for these children in my prayer time. Or oh, the children don't want to give me a hand. You don't want to give me that. Keep every member of yours on a prayer list in Fundisi Gerard. Uba Kongele Laos. Until Christ. In fact, in our church, it's not that I can't do it publicly. There are specific people that I know, I put them up for prayer for certain things in their lives to develop, and they did develop. Many of our leaders here. That's all I did. Hey, your clipping is very half-hearted tonight. It's not flowing. 
So Paul says, I'm traveling in birth. Note in the NIV it reads, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. So the Holy Spirit uses the physical phenomenon of childbirth to describe a spiritual happening or a spiritual truth. The comparison is really not meant to be literal or exact. The emphasis is meant to be on the spiritual power released to give birth spiritually. To give birth spiritually and to bring people to a full spiritual growth, it needs spiritual power. Which means this, if you want to see more people saved, the more we travail, the more there will be people saved. In the same way, if we don't have women getting pregnant and giving birth, we're not going to have people come into this world. So this kind of prayer, you can easily call it the birthing prayer. It's that kind of prayer that births things. Know this, Pastor. We are, I know it's not a good English word, the bathers for God. Not bath, our bather. <laughs> but the ones who give birth. Every time you read about us, the Bible calls us the bride. And he's the groom. And we're not a bride by mistake. We are not called a she by mistake. We are not called woman by mistake. Because we are the ones who bring forth. Jesus says in John 7, 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, note what it says, from his innermost being. Somebody say innermost being. Say it again. Say it again. He says we'll do what? We'll flow what? Rivers of what? That word innermost being in the Greek is spelled K-O-I-L-I-A. K-O-I-L-I-A. So Jesus says from your innermost being. And that word K-O-I-L-I-A means womb. So you and I, we are the bride who carry the womb. We are the womb of God upon the earth. Note, we are not the source of life. Let's get that clear. But we are indwelled by the source of life. We do not generate life. But we simply release the life that he births within us. Oh, Jesus. Which means this. If we don't travail in birth for children to be born, there will not be many people who come to Christ even though God can move mightily by his spirit. One preacher talks about a certain church that he used to visit. And this church used to run large numbers. In Sunday school and in the main service, even in the evening service, it would be packed out like this. Packed out. I want you to understand the packed out phenomenon, where it comes from. If you want to know. If you want to know. 
And in that church, there was a certain elderly woman who understood this concept of travail. And this is where today, when I was praying and thinking, and I was kind of thinking that this year, I want to bring something back to our church. The travail. This elderly woman, before the service starts, she would come to the front and kneel in the altar and travail. She was that kind of woman who had the spirit of prayer on her. You see, Basalan? All of us, there are things that we must do. We must pray, we must evangelize, we must do, we must do all that. However, in all these disciplines, every one of us is, is more inclined to one more than the other. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The same with prayer. We, we all pray, but there are people who are more inclined to being prayer people. If they were to choose the department, they would become intercessors. They are more inclined because you have that spirit on you. Now, like I said yesterday, Lelasa Fela has a delicate of a prophet. And I'll explain that and I'll qualify that later on, of course. But there are people who are more given to prayer. I remember when I was an associate pastor, and even before, I've been one who's always been given more to prayer, by far. And Mama Lambaruti, I'll stand here to speak to you. Every one of us, in the way God uses us, there is a section in your ministry, Mfundis, that you are more inclined to, Pastor Don. And you're going to figure out what that is, that it's almost like, how do I put it? Let, let, let me give you an example. If you watch... Sports people, and I always like to watch sports people. Uh, let's use tennis. I don't know how many of you watch tennis. Now, I like tennis. You'll find all of these people, before they hit a ball, the ball, there's a certain libitankana. Uh, libitankana, uh, there's a term I want you to use. Not posture, no. Huh? No, not stance. There's a certain routine, that's the word. There's a certain routine that they do before they hit the ball. All of them. Those of you who see Nadal's routine, it's not very nice. It starts somewhere. Those who have revelation, those who have that. Yeah, yeah, but it goes to somewhere else at the back. Anyhow. And every time, and if you watch them, every time before they hit a the ball, they go through that routine. Every time, every time, every time. If you want musicians sing, there are certain routines they do. Now, it's the routine that prepares you to be at the best of what you want to do. And, 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 and sometimes you watch them. When they're under pressure, some of them, they forget to do the routine. And every time they didn't do the routine, whatever they did came out very bad. Now, the same is true when it comes to how God uses us. There are certain things, I don't want to use the word routine, but they are like a routine. They are like a precursor. They are like a, an entry to what you are going to get into. So, for me, what empowers the preaching and makes me a better preacher and more effective in ministry is to be an intercessor. That's me. That's me. 
So very often when I stand here and say there's somebody here who has this and this, this has happened, whatever, I've already seen that in my prayer time. Sometimes it is so strong that I, can, I know for sure where the person will be sitting. So watch this. If I don't do that routine, then, then when, I, when I get up here, I, I function at 50% capacity. So in this church, there are some of you who are more given to prayer. Mara, you are not praying. You should be the people who, are, who come to church earlier and fall on your faces and pray before the service starts. Instead of being on WhatsApp. I can see tonight is not as exciting as yesterday and the other days. It's very difficult. Tell your neighbor, it's very difficult. So this woman, she was that kind. Before the service, she'd be here in the altar praying. And with time, that pastor got a new, that church got a new pastor. This new pastor who was uninitiated and ignorant of spiritual things. One day as he came, he found this old woman praying there. And he said to her, we're not going to have that around here. You stop that. And she stopped. And then this preacher who used to be a regular guest, he says, then I went to the church. He didn't know what had happened. He said, when I got there, the numbers had dropped. Drastically. And even when I made the altar call, nobody answered the altar call. You see, people come here, Barcelona. It's not, it's not, oh. There's a lot of travailing that has been happening. Yeah. So he says, after the service, he asked, you know, he asked one of the elders, what happened? And one of the elders says, well, the pastor told the old woman so and so, and he used to know him. He told her, we're not going to have that nonsense around here. So they didn't have that nonsense around there, and neither did they have any bathing around there. And I worry when people don't understand what generates the move of God. I'm telling you, Barcelona. I told you about the secret plate yesterday or the day before yesterday. These are the things that generate. You see numbers, you see people come. You think it's because of our brilliant advertising. There's none of that. That where you are, you felt something prompting you to come. It's because somebody. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand in the house. Somebody, somebody, somebody has has, 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 has talked to God about you. And God starts moving on your life. Didn't you say, I get a halifel of Barcelona? No. I learned this 1979. I will never forget it. We used to pray at a church of Muruti Zuma. You know? And, I'm uh, sorry, Barcelona. I can Zuma, yes. Just, just look at your neighbor and say, now what's wrong? What wrong did the brother say? I didn't say anything wrong. (coughs) 
he had three children uh two boys who are my friends and a girl who at the time was very naughty you know sometimes the pk's can be very naughty you know what a pk is a pastor's kid she was a very naughty pk so we used to pray at the church there which they also had a a missionary house a missions house in the same place so you know, every time she came from wherever, she would hear us praying, and I'd be Tina. Yeah. But then, one day we decided we we're going to pray for her. The brothers were concerned about her. So we put her on the prayer list. Every day we would pray for her, for three solid days. I'll, I'll never will forget this experience. On the third day, as we were praying, we had somebody bursting through the doors, screaming and crying. They came and fell on their knees where we were and cried out loud, repenting of all their sins. When we opened our eyes, it was her. And it was so strange. What happened? Mutohu didn't want to hear anything about God. But for three days, we travailed. Three days. Yeah. And I wasn't a pastor. This is, this is 1979. I was, I was 18 years old. And then afterwards, we, 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 we wanted to know what happened. She said, for the last three days, I have not been at peace. It coincided with the actual day on which we started. Hey. And then she told us the story. She said, finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I had to come here and get saved. As I speak, she's a mom fundis. She's married to a pastor. Somebody give the Lord a shout. One of the things I wish we can have back is that. That before every service we can have people traveling. That's what causes church meetings to have a different flavor and anointing. Is some of you say, anointing. But the reason there's no anointing is because of you. You come here, you are busy talking. You are not praying. You've brought a, an ugly, stinking attitude. You are the most disconnected, unspiritual person ever. You cannot come carrying all that baggage and expect the spirit to move. It's not. God must still work through the cockroaches. Before he can get to you. This kind of praying produces what somebody calls clean air. We preach, yeah, preachers will know this. Preachers will know this. Every church you go to has a certain type of atmosphere. And there's nothing worse as preaching in a church that has polluted spiritual atmosphere. Oh, even if you could be anointed, it's like your words hit a wall and come back to you. It's like these people are surrounded by a wall that cannot be penetrated by anything. No matter how much you're anointed, they still will not. And unfortunately, they are not even 
in the same wavelength as you. They're like a cell phone that's in a dead spot zone. No connection. So even when you're preaching, even when you're releasing something powerful, they're just sitting. They don't even see. They're just in a different zone. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's in a different zone? But you see, when you have this kind of atmosphere where there's hunger, there's thirst, there's anticipation, people are flowing, people are praying. Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout in the house. There's even more that God does through you. I'm telling you, there's even more. There's even more. People control and influence. So it's the word travail. Then another word used is the word groaning. Groaning. I'm explaining these words. Remember, we're talking about the not so quiet pray. Romans 8.26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with what? I can hear you with what? I can hear you with what? Groanings which? Groanings which? Let's break it down for you. P.C. Nelson, a Greek scholar, when he commented on this verse, brought about what many scholars don't bring. He says when you read this really literally, that passage should read, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. Articulate speech is your regular, normal kind of speech. Articulate speech is your learned language that you use every time you learned it, you can call it from memory. So P.C. Nelson says, this verse already tells us when we pray this kind of praying, where we are groaning, it will not be coming out in a language that we have learned. Then you remember Acts chapter 2. The Bible says, And they were all filled with the Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the King James. But one translation says, and I love it, the one translation says, And they spoke in other languages, as the Spirit supplied the words that come next. (laughs) As the Spirit supplied the words that come next. Which means, this verse already gives us an understanding that these groanings that are being referred to, they come out in a language different to your learned language. In short, when you pray in other tongues, this kind of praying, the Holy Spirit will lead you to pray in these groanings, and these groanings come out in a language that you haven't learned before. But the language is supplied by the Spirit, and the activity of the praying is initiated by the Spirit. Oh, Jesus. Kelly tonight. Are you here tonight? So this verse tells us when we pray in these groanings, your regular kind of speech is not involved. 
So this speaks of when we pray in other tongues. Note, these groanings escape our lips as the Holy Spirit is helping us to pray for things that we don't know how to pray for as we ought. Normally with prayer, God tells us to pray and we take the initiative to pray. In this instance, it is the Spirit that initiates the praying. All of a sudden, you feel like praying. All of a sudden, you have a burden to pray. All of a sudden, there's something that's bubbling up in your innermost being, in your womb. And please, when that happens, don't postpone. Don't say no. Get involved. Because there is somebody's life that's hanging on the balance. And God wants you to change somebody's destiny. Usually when we start praying on our own accord, very often as you realize, somebody was asking me, one of our pastors, yesterday, he was asking me, you know, we're doing this checking in, checking out, and usually many of our pastors, they check in for about an hour, and I like some of them, they, they check in or they don't check in, next thing they write, when they checked in, when they checked out, on the same, you see, we're in the zone here, we understand, you don't understand. But this pastor was saying, I don't understand. When I've checked in as I pray, I'm not flowing as much. But then when I check out, after I've checked out, then I start flowing. What kind? I said, easy. Easy. Let me, let me share with you. A powerful principle that most people don't know. You see, Basalana, to get into the flow of prayer, and I'm talking about when you initiate the praying. So you wake up in the morning, you say, I'm going to pray. All right? I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray the prayer of intercession. So here we are start. Kura, kura, kura powder. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that. Untie my bow tie. Untie my bow tie. Untie my bow tie. Suzuki Kawasaki. Oh, Baba. <laughs> How many of you have realized, as you are, as you are praying like that, and maybe I shouldn't do that. As you're praying like that, very often, it's almost like there's a lot of effort you must put. Huh? You are praying, Mara, 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 Mara. You are not flowing. And then you pray, and then, and then, and then you think, probably I've been praying for 15 minutes. And then how Sheba? Okay, it's been three minutes. Mara, it feels like 15 minutes. Come on, am I talking to anybody in this place? Am I talking to anybody? So, so it's almost like you are rusted. You're not flowing. There, there's so much effort. Now, let me show you something that's going to liberate you. It will change your life. Watch this. Usually, that rusty flow you struggle with your flesh. But after one hour, your spirit kicks in. Mamelang, what you never understood. Jesus says to his disciples, when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, guys, you couldn't even pray for one hour. Because one hour can warm up. Now the Amenidiatama. 
Because some of you will warm up early. It's a good little warm up, isn't Come on, I don't know why I'm standing this side. I feel like there's no warm up in this area here. You know, Salana, when we learned this, I learned it in 1979, but I remember 1980 when we were at Bible school with Pastor Kenneth Makop. We decided that every day we're going to pray for four hours. Yeah, every day. Monday to Friday, usually, maybe, let me say. Four hours. And I tell you, that first hour is your most difficult. Good, isn't it? You have to pray from discipline, not because you feel like praying. That first hour, I don't know how many times. But there's something about going beyond one hour that your spirit kicks in. And then you start getting into a flow. Your spirit comes to the ascendancy. And your body quietens down. See, the biggest problem with us is that our physical body is chachara. Can I say chachara in church? And our physical body is constantly talking to us. And your, your biggest hindrance to spirituality is not the devil. It's your physical body. Mamela, mamela, mamela. This is why fasting is important. Because when you fast, you weaken the chacharach guy. You don't give him food. You don't give him. So over a week. You see? And that's why gluttony, overeating, is the greatest enemy to your spirituality. And that's why physical sins will keep you away from spirituality because when you easily yield to temptation, it means you quickly obey what your body tells you in, in, instead of what your spirit tells you. Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, when I spoke unto you, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. The word carnal, when you read in the Hebrew, it means body ruled. Literally, it means meat. You are ruled by your flesh. In other words, a carnal person is a person who quickly does what their flesh tells them instead of what their spirit tells them. Being spiritually matured is when you, when you, when you, when you respond to what your spirit tells you. Or even when your flesh is shouting, you zing zong the flesh. That's why Galatians 5 says, walk in the spirit. What does it mean? He says, yield to the promptings of the spirit. Intentionally obey your spirit. He says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In other words, you are starving the flesh because the flesh is lusting, is hungering. The flesh wants you see, the flesh wants you to curse. The flesh wants you not to go to church. You mustn't pray. You must overeat. You must involve yourself in sin. The flesh wants you to have strife and fight. But your spirit all the time is saying, don't do it. So when you are spiritual, you yield to your spirit. So the biggest problem with prayer is that when we start praying, you know, when we initiate the praying, you find only, you know, that hour. Hey! So if you were wise, you would try to go a little bit over one hour. I suggest some of you try that. Just try to go a little bit over, struggle for an hour. But fita hour, hanya 
And you get what I've heard people call in boxing. They call it a second win. Second win is you, you want boxers boxing, and this one guy has been beaten. And as the rounds go, you see they get tired. And all of a sudden, this guy who's been beaten, all of a sudden, he seems to get energy from nowhere. And he starts bouncing around, and it's like there's a second something that just came over him. And, and through that second win, he wins the fight. That's how you're going to win the fight, through your second win. I see you being a second win, Christian. Can I hear an amen in the house? Yeah. So, this kind of praying, of groanings, in this instance, it's not you initiating the praying. It's the Holy Spirit who initiates the praying. Where you have the sense to pray. And as you pray, these groanings which escape your lips, they come out in groanings, they come out in travailing, they come out in crying. And very often, it's very difficult to do it silently. That's why I call it the not-so-quiet praying. A word of advice. Please don't do this kind of praying in front of people who are not initiated in spiritual things. And for that reason, if this type of anointing comes on you to pray and you're among the people, rather excuse yourself and retreat to the privacy of a room somewhere. This is not the kind of praying that ought to be practiced in front of people who don't know what's going on. And I remember I started praying this way immediately after I was filled with the Spirit. I was filled with the Spirit 4th of July, 1979. 5th of July, 1979, I woke up early in the morning at home. I went to pray in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, I was groaning and travailing. I didn't know. It's like my stomach was going to burst in half. I was bowed over, curled over like that. In pain. That's the kind of prayer. So people who don't know, say, And funny enough, I remember starting to pray. And when I said, Amen, I thought I had been praying for 15 minutes. And then I realized I had been praying for an hour. First time I prayed for an hour and it felt like 15 minutes. Because you are carried. I see you being carried. I said, I see you being carried. Interesting. When the spirit comes on you to pray this way, it's because he's getting you to pray for things that you don't know. Sometimes he will reveal it to you. Sometimes he won't. And if I may ask, you don't need to ask God what it was about. When I just pray, and no trader. Let me give you two illustrations. This was really great. I went and preached Magagul. Kana, what's the name of the area? Mbalenthe Sekunda. This is three years ago. It was in Obrahi. Yes. There were three of us. So I've got testimonies. Lavanza. Bless you. 
Usually after I preach convalently, I like to just leave almost immediately because it's far. But they, you know, in many places when you go and preach, they always give you food afterwards. Sure. So I ate that day, but for some reason, I just had this sense to stay longer. Just stay longer. I didn't know why. So fi- finally, we got into the car, we drove. As we got to a certain spot, we saw just blue lights and red lights, and it was obvious something massive had happened. But funny, long before we got there, I got a phone call from one of our church members. One of our church members. And the church member says, Bishop, I'm sorry to phone you. I had to ask for your phone number from Kaika. It was a long story. I just wanted to know if everything is fine. So I said, yeah, everything's fine. After that, Ntatem Konto gets a phone call from somebody in their cell group. These are two different, these are two different. And the person asked the same question. So, you know, we never, I never connected those two calls. Until we got to that spot. And we found out there had been a terrible accident there. Very terrible accident. And lives had been lost. And when I calculated, had we left immediately. When I calculated the amount of time. Time wise, we were located in exactly that same spot at the time the accident happened. So after we passed through, you know when there's an accident, there's a delay. After we passed through, I thought, next, let me call this church member, Kim Moots. So I found him, I said, I want, to, I want to know, why did you ask me if I was okay? Then he says, no, at such and such a time, exactly the time when we felt like staying, we just got this thing. It wasn't just them, it was other people. So here's the point. When God initiates, don't delay. Are you there, Bazalan? You may be saving a life. One minister tells a story. He was preaching in out of town in another city. And it was after the service and he was having fellowship with the pastor in the pastor's house and this pastor had three daughters. They were all married. The sons-in-law were there so they were just about to eat and he said, all of a sudden, from nowhere, I had this thing to pray. You know, that's the nice thing about being sensitive to the spirit. I feel sorry for people who, who rule out spiritual things. I'm telling you, there's things, Mazalana. Are you all aware as we're sitting here? There's things that are happening in the spirit. I tell you. And it's the, it's the, it's the spirit world that gives birth to the natural world. Yeah. So he said, all of a sudden, I had this burden to pray. So he said, because these people were Pentecostal people who would understand what I'm saying. You know, they were just about to eat. He said, look, before we, we eat, Jacoba, I just have this burden to pray. So this man called his daughters and their sons-in-law. They all knelt. And this is his words. He says, by the time my knees hit the floor, I was in the spirit. That's what happens when there's this push. You don't have to warm up. Yeah, but, but by the time you, you, you're gone. He says, I prayed and cried. 
and I was shouting, lost, 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 lost. Because sometimes you feel lost, particularly when you're praying for somebody who's lost spiritually. You take on their condition. He says, I did that for about 45 minutes. And at the end of the 45 minutes, he said, I saw a vision. I saw a man come into the service. I heard myself preaching. I saw myself kneel over the pulpit and call that man to the front and say, Sir, you are about 70 years old. Secondly, you have been diagnosed with an incurable disease. Thirdly, you have one foot in hell and one foot on earth. Fourthly, you grew up not believing in God. And I called him to come and get saved. So he said, when I went to the service, I just waited for the opportunity to just act it out. Yeah! It's already done in the spirit. Am I, am I giving you difficult stuff tonight? This is easy stuff. So he says, after he prayed, they were all interested to know Ruboni. He says, I told them what I had seen. I told them about this man. I even told them how he would be dressed and everything. And certainly when the service started, the man sat exactly where he said he would sit. He was dressed exactly like he described it. He says, I preached and when the anointing came on me, I kneeled over, <laughs> leaned over and I said, there's a man here, yana, 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 yana. you say over there. And the man came to the front. Now here's the interesting story. The man got saved. And he says, after the man got saved, he hugged me. After the service, this is what this man says. This man says, I've never been to church in my life. Not once. I'm a business person, and I had come in this part of town, which is far from where I stay, on business. So I didn't have anything to do tonight, and for some reason I just decided in Jane. Ah. Somebody give the Lord a shout in the house. I said, somebody give the Lord a shout. And he said, when you spoke tonight, you said, there's a man who's 70 years old. I'm 70 years old. He said, when you say I have one foot in hell and one sleeping in, one foot on the earth and one sleeping in, I know what you're talking about. I've had two heart attacks. I survived the one. I survived the second, but the doctor says my heart is so weak that I could die. And, but not only that, I was raised in a home when they didn't believe in God. I'm a universalist. I don't believe in the existence of God. But now, with what you have said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, now here's the question. Here's the question. Who would have known to pray for that man? Only the Holy Spirit who knows everything. It's not so quiet praying. Let me conclude. Can I conclude? So Zechariah 10 one says, Ask ye for the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord will make bright clouds. And he'll give these bright clouds showers of rain and everyone grass in the field. It's interesting to know that when it comes to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Bible uses the similes of rain, wind, fire. 
And it's interesting that Zachariah said, ask ye for the Lord rain. When he was preaching this, he was talking to Jewish people who were farmers, who understood the importance of rain for their crops to mature. They would receive the early rain, spring rain, to prepare the soil and give moisture to the ground so that they can plant the seeds. And then they would receive the late rains that would bring the plants to maturity. But Zachariah said, when you ask the Lord, he will make bright clouds. In other words, this rain comes in direct response to your intercessory prayer. No prayer, no rain. No prayer, no bright clouds. Watch. God makes bright clouds. Cloud speaks of the Shekinah glory of God. Revelations 14, 14. And I looked and behold a white cloud. Upon the cloud one sat like unto the son of man, having his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp circle. Exodus 14, 19. And the angel of the Lord, which went before the camp for Israel, removed and went behind him, and the pillar of cloud went from before their face. Second Chronicles 5, 14. So that the priest could not stand and minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. The glory of the Lord in the Old Testament manifested in the form of fire, cloud, smoke, dazzling light. But the glory of God also was revealed sometimes as an act of power. So the word glory signifies God's beauty, God's power, God's honor. The word glory speaks of the quality of God's character which emphasizes his greatness and authority. So when we pray and intercede, bright clouds will come. God will reveal himself in the beauty of holiness, in his character, demonstrating his greatness and us seeing his authority. The word glory speaks of God's moral beauty and perfection of character. It's a display of God's act of power. And God says this glory will come as we pray. It will come. When the glory comes, it brings visible changes. When the glory comes, number one, there will be a reverence of God. Anytime when there's a spirit of prayer in the church and a move of God in the church, people start to honor God and respect God. One of the things I've liked about you and everybody who's streaming and I've been hearing the news, we've been going over time ever since we started. And the good story I've heard is people don't leave. Until we close in prayer. I've preached in many places where people are so timed up. That if you dare go one minute over, they just stand up and walk away. And if I may say in these same places, the glory of God is not the same. We need to bring back the reverence of God. And when the glory comes, it brings a certain respect and honor. One minister who pastored a church years ago says, in his church they used to take time to minister to the Lord together. 
He said there would be times when they would just sit in quietness as a congregation for an hour or two. In those days, they didn't have children's church. They didn't have Nazareth. The children came into the same service with their parents. And he says for those two or three hours, not a baby would cry. See, when the glory of God rests on us, there's a certain stillness and a certain peace. There's a certain awesomeness. And he said, one day, there's a man who used to bring his wife to the church. And because the church had tinted windows and you couldn't see inside, he had come to pick the wife up, but it was just one of those days when the glory fell. And he said, we had been sitting in the service for hours. So the man waited for the wife outside and he didn't know what's going on. So he tried to look through the windows. He couldn't tell what's going on. And finally, he couldn't take it. He walked into the church. And he says, when he walked in, I was sitting on the platform. I saw him coming in. He sat at the back there. And he said, when he sat at the back, he was not a saved guy. He sat at the back, and after a while, he just started shaking. Just started shaking. 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 And he looked around. And you see, you see the presence of God, people may not understand what it is. And finally, this guy got up from his chair, ran to the front, fell in the altar. He says, we never even went there to go and help him. God started it, let God finish it. Can I hear an amen in the house? In 1979, when we were praying with my friend Kenneth out in the field, goes Gangeng. We had been praying there for several weeks. Little did we know that there was an elderly man who lived in the neighborhood who used to see these two boys, schoolboys, going into Zganga. And he was very curious, what are we doing, goes Gangeng? We didn't know that this elderly man would come and spy on us and he'd find us gone in prayer. We didn't know. So one day as we said amen, when we opened our eyes, hey, there was this man here. <laughs> and then he said, my children, can you please come and pray at my house? <laughs> so we decided, okay, we'll go. I had an experience there, but I'm going to close with this. I'm closing in five minutes. We had an experience that I've, I've never had before. I didn't know, and I was still a new Christian. We went to pray at his house. And I'll never forget, all of a sudden as we prayed, the glory fell. The glory fell. And as the glory fell, you know, it's those kinds of presence in the atmosphere where it's almost like there's somebody aiming more. You, 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 you don't even want to open your eyes. Because you, you, it's almost like what, 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 what the people who have experienced God feel like your, your, your flesh runs away from it. It's a kind of presence when you get into it, you speak like, you, you, you speak like Isaiah and say, I am a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. Even if God doesn't say anything, you feel like you are unworthy. It's the same presence when John came into it, he said, I fell like one who is dead. When you come into that presence, nobody must tell you. Nobody tells you to kneel. Nobody tells you to raise hands. Nobody tells you to shout. You do it without thinking because you're overwhelmed by that presence. I closed my eyes and I remember as we were praying, I heard rain falling. But this rain, it was liquid fire. I heard it. I was afraid to open my eyes. 
But I could see it even if my eyes were closed. I was so afraid that day. And then in a short while, this man, we heard this elderly man crying and asking God to forgive him for his sins. Here are two boys, 18-year-olds, wearing school uniform with an elderly man old enough to be our father, falling prostrate before the presence of God and praying. And when we came to the end of that prayer, as we walked to school, Kenneth and I, we never said a word to each other for a while. We were so overwhelmed by it. For a while, I could almost picture what was happening in the upper room. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared upon them cloven tongues as out of fire and it set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. I realized the glory and the bright clouds came upon us. And I remember and I said to Kenneth, I said, Kenny, I don't know. As we're praying, I heard liquid rain falling. He looked at me and says, I heard the same. And I saw the same. Let me tell you people, is that presence that changes you. It's that presence that takes hold of you that's greater than sin, greater than drugs. It's that presence that you will long for, you will search for, you will run to get it for everything in you. It's that presence that makes you forsake everything and follow God. Is that presence that made us as 18-year-olds to stand on stage at our school and preach and the preachers and the teachers would listen. Is that presence that drove some of us to say, God, you've called me into the ministry. Later on, God called me into the ministry. Is that presence that when you have tasted, nothing else can ever satisfy you. It's greater than drugs. It's stronger than alcohol. It's more precious than sex out of marriage. It's better than lies and cheating. It's a kind of presence where you realize my body is a temple. My body is a container of the glory. It's that presence that when you walk, people see it on you. Like when Moses came off from the mountain. And when he came from the mountain, the people couldn't look on his face because there was a glory on his face. He had to cover himself. Because you cannot spend time in the presence of that glory without that glory being imparted upon you. And God says, arise and shine. For the glory is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and cross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you.
I'm here to tell you the glory of the Lord is going to be seen upon your life. I said the glory of the Lord is going to be seen upon your life. And you will be a carrier of the glory. You will take it to your place of work. You will take it to school with you. You will take it to the community with you. You will take it into broken society with you. I said the glory of the Lord shall rise upon you. It is that glory that takes ordinary people and changes them into extraordinary people. It is the glory when it comes upon you, you are no longer the same person. It is that same glory like David when you see a Goliath, you are not afraid of the Goliath because greater is he that is in me. And I believe God is restoring restoring I said restoring even now God is restoring even as I speak the glory is here even as we sing and shout the glory is here I can sense the glory being distributed all over the place let me close I was telling Bishop Freddy that yesterday something happened that I I, I saw happen in 1980 It was my first time to see it, and it was only my second time yesterday to experience it again. Let me tell you, as everybody stands on their feet, and give me something about glory, whatever you want to say. And I'm going to pray in a short while. Times of refreshing are here. From the presence of the Lord. 1980, when we were at Bible school, we traveled as students to Kempton Park because Jimmy Swaggart had been invited by the Apostolic Faith Mission. When we got to the meeting, the place was packed out. See, when the glory falls, people can't get enough of God. The place was packed out, jam-packed. And because we arrived late, we stood outside. And I remember, as I stood outside, it just so happened it was a time when they were worshiping and they were singing in the spirit. Remember, I'm from Dutch Reformed. I didn't know these things. Just my first time to see them. And here they're singing in the spirit. And, and I stood there and I started singing in the spirit. And all of a sudden, I heard something, another singing. Different to this singing, but concurrent with this singing. A singing that was singing in testimony support but so different I've never heard such sweet voices in my life I've never heard such sweet harmony in my life and it was voices that were above the our voices but just right above it was my first time I, I worshipped I didn't see anything but I heard the singing and I just got lost in that presence. Lost. After I came from there, I spoke to my friends about it, but it's only years later I heard people talk about that. The same experience they had. And I realized, then they said, no, 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 no. It's when the heavenlies join the earth.
And the great choir in heaven joins the choir on earth. And in unison, heaven and earth. Heaven and earth in unison give glory. Yesterday, yesterday as we were singing, for a brief moment, I heard those voices above our voices. Angels singing. When heaven bears testimony, when heaven nods its head and says, Times of refreshing are here. Then you know God is moving. Listen, Basalan. I said to you on Monday, by the end of this week, your life will never be the same. We are standing on hope.